I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women. Thanks for being a part as well. Great to have you guys here. Did you guys like the At The Movie series? Wasn't that fun? We love doing At The Movies around here. Uh, just last week, someone was complaining, actually, to one of our leaders and one of our campuses about it. And this guy that was visiting said, uh, he said, well, you know, I don't really like this. I don't see how you can teach good theology through this. And, you know, why are we using movies in church? Kind of complained about it, you know. And uh, as, I, as I heard this, I thought, you know, I just want to remind everyone why we do it. So when I heard that, I thought, maybe you have a friend or family member who said the same thing. But I want to remind you, Jesus taught through parables. He, he taught through stories. And so he was more apt to do that than anything else. And so that's why we do that, because I really believe Jesus today, if he were alive and walking, well, he is alive, but if he was walking on this earth today, that he would probably be making movies, because movies is the way that we communicate in our generation. And so you're probably going home after this and watching Netflix, you know, or something on TV. And so that is such a powerful medium that we want to use to reach people for Christ. And that's why we have such a high attendance, because people are drawn to that, and then they hear about the gospel. And so we want to use every available resource as a church to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. And so that's what we do without compromise. That's what we do. And so aren't we glad that we're a church that's willing to try new things and risk things to reach more people for Christ? And so I just want to remind you, that's why we do things like that. Today we're starting a brand new series, by the way, on the Sermon on the Mount, otherwise known as the Beatitudes. Jesus taught about the kind of attitudes that we should take on. And I figured in 2020, in the middle of a contested election, this is probably a really good time to talk about attitudes. And so I'm excited about bringing this message series to you. It's called Blessed Are the Peacemakers. It's a whole series. That's really just one of the Beatitudes. But today, we're going to talk about the first two Beatitudes. There's actually eight of them. And we're going to do two a week for the next four weeks. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. This is where you'll find the Sermon on the Mount, otherwise known as the Beatitudes. They're right there. And Jesus this is probably his most famous message he ever preached. And so he, he said, in fact, you probably heard phrases like this before. It says, blessed are the, and then he'd fill in the blank with that. And that's kind of the cadence that he went through this whole message. And so we're going to take the first two, the first one being the blessed are the poor and blessed are those who mourn. So we're going to unpack those today. Again, thanks for being a part of our services today. Today's message is called, God, Please Help Me. God, Please Help Me. We all need God to help us. And I don't know where you need him, but I bet you do. I know I certainly do need help, him to help me. And so let's just unpack this. The first one is this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Now, I think we know what to mean to be poor is, right? Maybe you feel like, Pastor, I don't need the whole, the whole in-spirit thing. I just get poor. I understand what it's like to be poor. I remember what it was like to be totally broke when Jessica and I first got married. We were poor. We were poor. We were so poor, we couldn't afford the R. You know what I'm talking about? We were, we were broke. Okay, so maybe you can relate to that. You know what I mean? I, mean, I remember like trying to figure out how to pay the rent, you know, how to, how, how to you know, pay the bills, how to, how to put food on the table kind of poor, right? And so maybe you can relate to that. And so we, we were broke, we were barely making it, so it wasn't hard for us to have to cry out to God because we, we had obvious reason to right in front of us. But maybe you're like me today, and you're not poor, but you're poor in spirit in some area. Every one of us have what I would call a poverty pocket, some area of your life that you just need God to help you in, some area that you say, I, I've, just, I've tried everything I know to try, and I can't fix this, God. I need your help in this particular area. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about now? 
Don't we all have some area like that? Maybe you say, well, I'm doing okay financially, but I can't get my marriage on track. Or I'm doing okay financially, but I can't get my kid to quit acting up. Or I can't get things to be turned around in my office. I just, I don't know what the deal is, but I just cannot seem to get on the right side of my boss's attitudes. Or I don't know how to get my career turned around. Or I just feel like I'm poor in spirit in this particular area because I don't know what else to do. I'm at the end of my rope. I've tried everything to try, and it's not fixing the problem. What Jesus says is, blessed are you. Blessed are you. You're blessed because you recognize you're poor somewhere. I just found it interesting that he would call that blessed. Why would he say that? What he's saying is, is that the first thing you're doing that means that you're going to be blessed is that you're acknowledging that you know you need God. There's an area of your life that you can't pull off on your own. See, the great thing about when you come to the end of your rope and you come to the end of yourself is that's where the beginning of God is. Is when you realize, I, I can't fix this. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything I know and, and I can't turn this around. And God says, congratulations. Ding, 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 ding. Now you get it. This is why you need me. So blessed are you that you're poor in spirit because this is where I kick in. This is where I begin to help you. This is where I begin to call on the resources of heaven to make a difference in your life. And you'll just acknowledge that you need me. I'll show up. God's waiting for us to admit we need him. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. So what's the first thing we should do if we need God's help? Number one, acknowledge where you're weak. Just acknowledge, acknowledge where you're weak, where you are poor in spirit. Where does it hurt? Where is your poverty pocket? Where do you need God to come through for you? And you may be pretty smug in life and have things going on and you're doing pretty good. You're like, I got my house over here on the island. I mean, life is pretty good out here, you know? I mean, it's OTB, man. We're over the bridge. It's nice and easy over here. But I bet you still got some problems. I mean, I know it's nice in Stone Oak and Stone Oak ain't stone broke, but it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. I don't care where you live and how well things seem to be going for you. There's probably an area that you say, God, I've tried everything and I need you to come through. And God says, that's where I come through for you. Right at your point of weakness is right where my grace shows up. So you tell me where you're hurting and I'll tell you where God is. God is in the tension. He's in that stress point. He's in that moment where you're weak. That's where he wants to do his greatest work. He said, where you're weak, I am strong. That's where he shows up. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Wow, I, I'm just so grateful there's a God who knows my weakness. He knows where I struggle. I had a staff member come to me one time and say, Pastor, I don't know what else to do. I tried everything to get this ministry growing and it just won't grow. I'm coming to you because I'm out of ideas. I said, congratulations. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you came to someone who can help you. I said, now I'm going to use every resource at my, at my uh, hands, whatever I've got, at my disposal, I'm going to use it to help you grow your ministry. And guess what? It was just a short time after that that it began to take off again and grow. And it wasn't because I'm so smart. It's because he called on someone who had more resources than him. I had the ability to harness the whole church to help him get that ministry growing. And it began to take off again. You see, when you admit that you have a need, God shows up with the resources you need. But you have to first admit that you have a need. So look at the scripture again. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? It means if you'll admit that you need something, if you'll admit that you need to call on God to help you, then guess what will happen? Yours is the kingdom of heaven, which means all the resources of heaven, God will deploy to you if you'll simply ask him, if you'll just tell him that you need some help. So number two is to ask for help and watch the resources of heaven be released to help you. We have to be willing to make an ask of ourselves. We gotta do that. 
You got to be willing to ask. You got to be able to say, God, I, I need you to help me. And, the, and really, there's, there's in, built into the ask is, is two asks. The first ask is you're asking God to help you. But the second ask, we need to ask other people to help us too. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says this in Matthew chapter 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. <laughs> that can't be right. I'm sorry. Let me, that's, that can't be right. Let me check the scripture on that. Everyone? I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean everyone. I meant like everyone who's good. I mean, you know, like everyone who's nice, probably everyone who goes to church a lot, you know, everyone who hasn't like messed up morally lately, everyone who, you know, is on the up and up, everyone who's paid their taxes, everyone who, no, I didn't say that. It's just everyone. Pastor, you don't know stuff I've done, places I've been, people I've been with. No, no, no. God says everyone. Everyone who asks. Everyone who can lift a hand to God and say, I need you. God says, I'll show up. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. There is a God who loves you, who's waiting for you to call out to him, and he will be there for you. Everyone. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. But you know what the problem is? We don't ask. Either we're asking, here's the one thing we do also, if you keep asking God and he's not answering, it could be because you're asking God to send a resource he's already sent. Could it be that you're asking God, oh God, please help me with my addiction. I can't overcome this. And God's like, I'm not sending you an automatic answer to that when I've already placed 12 step within five miles of you in every direction. And so you're not tapping the resource I've already placed in front of you. So quit asking me for something I've already sent. How about this? Oftentimes we're asking God to help us in some area and God's like, there within the five mile radius are 10,000 people who've already overcome what you're struggling with. And so why don't you have the humility to ask someone? Or could it be that blessed are the poor in spirit, but not so blessed are the arrogant in spirit? That we're arrogant. We, we don't want to act like we have a need. Well, but then if I tell someone and then they'll know I'm not perfect, surprise, surprise, they probably already know that. Because none of us are. And so don't be arrogant in spirit and act like you don't have a need. If you need something, ask God and don't be afraid to ask others. You know what? God could have set the Israelites free in Egypt without Moses. Could he have not? He could have just turned the heart of Pharaoh without even asking Moses. But God wants to use his people to change other people's lives. I mean, God could just rain down money from heaven and provide everything the church needs. But instead, he likes us to take an offering. He could cut you out of the equation, but God wants you to be a part of changing lives. That's why he says, I'm going to, I'm going to supply all that you need, but I want to do it through my people. And so oftentimes we forget about that. Oh, Lord, would you just change the world? And God smiles back and says, well, when are you going to start changing the world? I've changed you. So I want to use you to do it. And so God's placed people all around you that can help you, and you also can help them. That's what the power of the church is, is we're supposed to be there for one another. There's just too many one another's in the Bible for us to disobey. Love one another, encourage one another, warn one another, be there for one another, help one another. Over and over again, there's all these one another's. And so apparently part of the resourcing of God is not just to ask God, but to ask others. To say to your neighbor, to say to your friend, to say to your family member, to say, I need help. Would you help me? I don't know what to do. Don't be arrogant in the spirit. Be poor in spirit. You want to turn your marriage around? You say, I've been praying for our marriage and just nothing's working. Why don't you go to your spouse and say, I'm really praying for our marriage and nothing's working. And then humbly say, would you just help me know what I need to do to help turn this marriage around? What do I need to do to make things better? Well, that would be kind of embarrassing. Oh, you mean to be poor in spirit? Instead of arrogant in the spirit, acting like you know it all? 
We have to be poor in spirit. And if we'll do that, God will show up. God will do great things, but we have to begin to be poor in spirit. Ask God to help you. Ask others to help you, and they will as well. Look what it says in Psalms 91.11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. God will immediately deploy angels. The Bible says there's warring angels on our behalf. And so we say, God, I need your help. And God says, angels, go. And boom, they come to help you. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? There is all the resource of heaven waiting to help you. If you'll simply admit you need help, God will show up in a powerful way. Ask God to help you. Ask others to help you. And, and they will come through for you. You know what we keep doing? We keep acting broke. Like we have nothing that, uh, available to us to help us. We're acting broke. We're saying, oh God, I just have nothing. There's just no resource to help me. And we're saying that in the middle of a bank vault. God's placed resources all around you. You just have to be humble enough to ask. And so God wants to help you, ask for help, and he will resource you. Now, here's the thing. There's an order to the Sermon on the Mount. There's an order. There's actually, Jesus doesn't just randomly say these things. There's an order. And the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that we need God before we can then come to God when we're broken. So the first thing is recognize you need God, right? To ask God, God, I just need you. Don't, don't, don't be arrogant in spirit. Be poor in spirit. But then the second part of this, the, the, the second one is what? Blessed are those who mourn. In other words, when you admit that we have taken the L, we've taken a loss, we are hurting, it's okay to admit that. So ask God for help. Why? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God will resource you from heaven. He will bless you. He will help you. He really will. You just simply have to ask him. Then the second here, the second uh, beatitude is this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Number three, when, when bad things happen, cry out to God. But I want to encourage you to actually feel it fully. When something bad happens to you, when you go through difficulty, it's okay to admit this is bad. Sometimes we, we want to pretend like, oh, we're fine. Oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, well, they left you. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I need them anyways. And we act strong, but the truth is we're, we're weak on the inside. You know, a lot of people that are angry, that walk around angry, that you know, snap at people and get upset and have a bad attitude. If you really look closely at that anger that you may have, underneath it's just hurt. You've just been hurt. In fact, a lot of times people that are short with people and always angry and always upset and just always in a bad attitude, it, it's that they've never properly mourned. They've never, they've never properly mourned and, and, and felt the full loss. This is why a woman will be bitter and snap at every man in her life because the man she loved left. This is why men say, all women are this way or that way because the, the one woman that, she, that he trusted his heart with broke it in a thousand pieces. And so... He just thinks every woman's this way, every man's this way, and that's just not, that's not true. That means you haven't mourned. It's okay to admit where, 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 where you lost, where you took the L, where you've been hurt. People that walk into churches with their arms crossed, oh, I'll bet this church is going to do this and do that. You're, you're still hurt from some previous church experience. And so if you'll take the time to mourn and say, that, oh, you know what, I was, I was treated wrong, and it was, it was wrong. And what someone said to me or did to me really hurt. Just, just admit that so God can begin to flood you with healing so you can move forward in your life. But so many times we're so hurt and we won't admit it. But blessed are you if you just mourn. If you just, if you just feel the, the pain, it's okay to feel the loss. God wants you to. In fact, if you don't process that, men are bad about this. We're like, oh, I'm going to be strong. It's okay to not be strong. It's okay to have a moment where you just say, this just sucks. This is just horrible. This is terrible. I can't believe this happened to me. It's okay to say that. 
Man, I got betrayed. This is wrong. What happened to me? But you know what we do? We shake our fist to God. And we say, God, why? Why did this happen? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't answer your why? Could it be that we're not really asking God why because we want an answer? Could it be that we're asking God why because we just want to argue? I mean, is, is there really a good why that you're going to get the answer? Like, God, why did you let my child die? Like God's going to go, oh, here's the reason. You're going to go, oh, now I'm cool with it. Really? I don't think so. God, why did you let me be molested? Why couldn't you protect me from that? Oh, here's why. Oh, now I'm great with it. I don't think there's going to be a good answer that's going to make you just feel great. Do you really believe that? That there's an answer that's going to satisfy you for that big loss, that big pain, that big betrayal, that big difficulty? I don't think there's going to be an answer for that. So the question we always want to ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? But I believe there's another question we need to ask today. It's this. What does God do for good people when bad things happen? Let's ask that question instead. Because the truth is, your why may not come on this side of heaven. It just may not come. So let's ask this question. What does God do for good people when bad things happen? About this time of the year, every year, I always had the same question for God. Because it's football season, about halfway through, I say, God, why do bad teams happen to good pastors? You know what I mean? That's my question. <laughs> but the truth is this. God wants to help us. My friends keep telling me, just switch teams. I'm thinking about it. I'm really thinking about it. No, but the truth is this. Here's a question I want, I want to pose you. What does God do for good people when bad things happen? And here's the answer. He comforts them. He comforts you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. God wants to comfort you. So when bad things happen, cry out to God. Feel it fully. Psalms 30 puts it this way. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. So if you will fully mourn and say, this hurts, this is terrible, God, I, I, I hate this, then God will take your mourning, your sorrow, your brokenness, and turn it into dancing. What does that mean? He'll turn it into joy. He'll give you joy unspeakable. He'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. You'll see, I, I mean, this is when someone says to you, are, are you okay? And you, you kind of stop and think, am I okay? After you've cried it out and you've gone to God and you're like, you know, I kind of am. It almost feels a little weird, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. In fact, have you ever felt numb? You're like, it's just, is this even happening? I, I hear this again and again when I'm standing next to someone in front of their loved one's coffin. And they say, this doesn't feel real. And I always remind them, that's because God loves you so much, he's numbed you. And just like a good doctor's like, okay, this is going to hurt a little bit, but then all the pain's going to go away. I'm going to numb you before I got to go in and dig, at, dig something out or whatever. I'm gonna, you're, it's going to hurt just a little bit, but then you're going to, oh, wow, oh, now I don't feel anything. And so we kind of feel like, am I not human? Is something wrong with me? I just I feel, I feel this coldness. I feel, it's like, why am I just okay? No, that's, that's God's grace on you. He's numbing you to help you get through this. So when, you, when it feels like a surreal experience, I've heard, I've actually had people tell me in some of those painful experiences, uh, you know, a young lady said it was the weirdest thing, I'm being raped and it's like I'm not even there. Isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? That in our absolute most horrible moments, he will let you have a moment that almost feels like it's not even real because he loves you so much. Some of you say, I can hardly remember what, what happened to me. Isn't God good? 
Or you say, I remember in great detail, but for some reason, I, I'm, it's just, it's just a, an event to me. Isn't God good? Can we just thank God that when we mourn and we're hurting and it's real and it's deep and we don't know what to do, that he will comfort us in the way that we need it. You're still here, aren't you? God loves you that much. He will help you through your darkest moments. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He wants to be there for you. Cry out to him. Call out to him. He's there for you. By the way, next week, I want to encourage you to continue to be here. Next week, we're talking about the next two Beatitudes, and I'm just going to call it next week's message, Don't Freak Out. We kind of need that right now, don't we? You know, in the next few weeks, we're probably going to call an election one way or the other, and half the country is going to freak out. I'm not sure which half yet. Whether it's going to be you or the person who thinks totally different than you. But either way, half of us are going to freak out. The Bible says don't freak out. Stay calm. God's got this. So be sure to be here next week. Maybe you have a situation that you feel like you just need to freak out over and you're so upset and you just can't believe this. And Be here next week. Next week will help calm your spirit in 2020. Don't we need that? So don't miss next week. I promise you it will be a blessing. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Look what it says in Isaiah 43. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you catch that? It didn't say if you go through the deep waters. It says when you go through the deep waters. You know, God never said, well, because you're with me, all those problems are just going to go away. He doesn't say that. He says, he's because you're with me, I'm with you in those problems. I'm going to help you through that difficulty. God is with you. He says, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is still saving us. Isn't that good to know? When my son Cole was little, we were at a public swimming pool, and there was kids everywhere, you know, and we, 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 I jumped in the deep end, and I don't really remember how deep it was, but I know I couldn't touch. I was in the deep end of a pool, and there's older kids all around, and Cole's like four or five years old. And so I jump in, and I say, Cole, jump to me. And he's got these huge cheeks hanging on me. You should have saw him. He was so cute. He looked like Charlie Brown. His head was the same size as the rest of his body. It was awesome. So cute. Anyways. His big head he has now, he had that same head when he was four years old. It's incredible. I don't know how he did that, but I mean, he, when he was, <laughs> seriously, when he was two, his head was so heavy, he could go in one direction, he couldn't stop. He's like, <laughs> like, like, I kid you not, it was that big. It was so cute. Anyways, I'll show you pictures one day, but I know, I'm not, it's not like a doting parent now. Anyways, so I'm in the pool. I'm like, Cole, jump to me. Jump to me. You know, and I'm wading in my water, and he says, Daddy, no, I'm scared. Daddy, I'm scared. I said, Cole, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Well, he didn't know about his daddy. Was it, I don't care what happened in that pool. There was one kid that was not going to go down. And it was my kid, right? Like, I don't care how crazy he gets in this pool. There's one child that is completely protected. It's the one who's got his daddy in the waters with him. This is a cold. Don't look at the water. Just look at your daddy. I got you. Just jump to me. But you know what we do? We keep calculating the water. Well, how deep is it? Does it matter how deep it is if your daddy's in the pool? Does it really matter whether my feet were two feet off the, off the floor or whether they were 10 feet off the floor? No, because I'm there. And I will not let 
my son drowned. He will not go under. And so don't look at the waters cold. Just look at your daddy. I got you. Just jump to me. No matter how deep the water is, no matter how crazy it may seem, you're not jumping in the deep end. You're jumping into my arms. And that's what God wants you to know today too. Blessed are those who mourn, for I will comfort you. God is there for you. Someone needs to know that today. Someone needs to know that there is a God who loves you. I believe when Jesus was preaching this message, his Sermon on the Mount, which means he was on the side of a mountaintop near Galilee, somewhere by the water. And as he was preaching this message, I wonder if Jesus was looking at someone who maybe seemed like they had it all together in the back and they weren't tearing up or anything. They knew how to cover it well. But I wonder if he looked right at them and said, blessed are those. Yeah, I see you. I know you're mourning. Blessed are you. I'm here to comfort you. I see your pain. I got to be honest, I'm in my, my, my prayer season. I'm doing 100 hours of prayer, and I'm about 30 hours in now. God has already begun to do some miracles, things I never dreamed he would do. More on that later. I'll, I'll, I'll share towards the end of the 100 hours what, what some of those were. But here's one thing I've learned about God. The Bible says in Psalms 37.4, in the Amplified Translation, it says that God will give you not just the desires of your heart, he will give you the secret petitions of your heart. The things you're almost afraid to verbalize because you can't believe you're asking for them, but you know you long for it. There's been some things in my life that I can't control, that I can't fix on my own. And I've just said, God, I don't know what to do, but I just trust this in your hands. God, I don't know what to do next, but I know you're there. And the Lord's like, just jump to me. I've got you. And I've already seen God do the impossible. And I just want to encourage you that God knows of the secret pain, the secret difficulties, the things that no one else knows about that you're dealing with. There is a God who says, if you'll jump to me, I love you and I've got you. It's okay to mourn because I will comfort you. You have a God who loves you and who is there for you. Can we just give him praise right now? Thank you, God, that you, you got me. Thank you for that. You have me. Blessed are those who mourn. Number four, God will take you from bitter to better. God doesn't want you to be bitter and angry and upset. It's okay to mourn that loss, to feel that pain, to be angry, to be frustrated, and go to God and say, God, I'm so frustrated. But let me just say this right now. Don't be surprised when we want to blame God. You know what we do oftentimes? Honestly, we keep pushing God out of the equation, and we get upset when things fall apart. I mean, it's amazing to me. People are like, I don't know what. The public schools are so messed up. Guys, we pushed prayer and God out of school years ago, so why are we surprised it's a mess? I don't know why our country's all messed up. We keep trying to take God out of our government and don't, surprise, surprise, it's a mess. God, we kind of mess things up. We need to invite you to come back in. Could you help us out again, Lord? Let's remember to not push God out of our dating lives and then wonder why we jack things up. Don't push God out of your family. Don't push God out of your business. Don't push God out of the government. We need to be a nation and a people under God again because we've jacked it up. Lord, we need you, God. Would you please, we want to invite you back in. We need you. And so, God, we messed it up. We've done some things wrong. But, Lord, we want to come before you broken. God, this is a mess. God, would you help us? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Let's not be arrogant and believe we have. Oh, we got this, God. We got it. As if we're not a miracle nation from the very beginning. Somehow we've forgotten that. We forget the miracles of God. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed to finally have a child, God allowed you to get pregnant and have this baby, and then you just, oh, I don't need you now. We just, I don't need to go to church. My kid, I got this. They hit those teenagers, and you're like, Lord, I don't got this. 
God says, invite me in. I'll help. I can help. I'm a God who loves you, but don't be arrogant in the spirit. Be poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm there for you. I will be here for you. Go to God. But I want to remind you at the end of both of these, these blessed are you, you are blessed is this. You are blessed because God has got you, number five. You are blessed because God has got you. You know, God actually said to Mary, we're going to be studying this pretty soon as Christmas comes up. Uh, when Gabriel showed up to Mary, the angel Gabriel, he said, that was just with the Lord. I was just at the heavenly throne with him. And, uh, and blessed are you, Mary, for the Lord is with you. I love that. Now we think, well, yeah, I mean, God blessed Mary because, you know, she was going to birth to Jesus. No, no, before that, he said, blessed are you, Mary, because the Lord's with you. So Mary was blessed because the Lord was with her. Now, last time I checked, if you're a Christ follower, then the Lord is with you, which means you, even in the middle of this craziness, are already blessed because the Lord is with you. It kind of makes sense to me why people are freaking out in 2020 if the Lord's not with you. If you were trusting in government, kind of hard to trust that right now, but it's okay because the Lord is with you. If you were trusting in a relationship that you counted on and it fell apart, thank God, the Lord is with you. He or she may not be with you anymore, but the Lord is with you, right? Maybe you're trusting in that job and you lost that job and maybe that paycheck's not with you anymore, but the Lord is with you. Whatever you're facing, keep this in mind. It says in Ephesians chapter one, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Holy means what? You know what the word holy is? Blessed. The word blessed means holy. The word holy means blessed. We're set apart. Another word for holy is set apart. So you're blessed to be set apart for God. You say, well, I want to be blessed. Well, God, how do you think God blesses you? He sets you apart. And so you say, well, I'm the only one going through this. Right. You're set apart. Part of the setting apart is that you go through experiences that no one else has gone through. And so those experiences cause you to go to the Lord. And, God, and Jesus says what? You're blessed. You're blessed because you recognize you need me. You're blessed because you're mourning and you came to me. Some people cry themselves to sleep and have no God to call out to. You're blessed that you have a God to call out to and he is there for you the moment you do. We're blessed that we are not alone. You have to get alone and be alone and feel broken and alone before you recognize you're not alone, that there's a God who is there with you all along. You are blessed. You really are. Even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be wholly blessed and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to himself. So he, he, he adopted us to himself. He says, and, and what? We are as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, some of you ladies are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why does it say sons? Why does it say ladies too? Why does it say daughters also? The reason why it says sons is because you have to understand their culture that this was written in. It says sons because another word for sons is heirs. Because daughters... And there, the day the Bible is written, the Bible is not, not saying this is okay. It's just, it's just acknowledging this is the way it was legally at the time. Women did not have right to property. They did not have rights to an estate that was always through their husbands or their, or their children, their boys. And so he says, I'm adopting you. But I'm not just adopting you. I'm adopting you as a son, which means what? As an heir to all I have. God is saying, all that I have is yours. All that I have. I have two boys and an adopted, two biological boys and an adopted daughter. But Sophie knows that everything we have is hers. I mean, she really does know that she spends it all the time. She's very aware. <laughs> the truth is, though, everything we have, she's not some second-class Cornelius. Oh, no. She is 
has all the rights and privileges of being a Cornelius as, as our boys do. She has all the rights and privileges to the estate of what we own. All that we have is our kids already. The only thing that keeps my kids from getting everything right now is just are they ready for it? The only thing that keeps you back from getting all that God has for you is he's saying, are you mature enough to handle what I put in your hand? And then he will give it to you. Well, you wouldn't give a, you know, a set of car keys to a six-year-old. That's not a smart idea. And it would be loving that you didn't do that. Sometimes I wonder if we're asking God for things now and we keep saying, God, just give it to me. God, just give it to me. And God says, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on what you want instead of focused on growing so I can give it to you. So focus on becoming who God called you to be. But we are heirs of Christ. goes on to say, uh, according to his purpose and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which is that he has blessed us in the beloved. He's blessed us through Christ. You are blessed. All that you have, God has given you. And all that God has, you have access to. Whatever you need, God is there for you. I just feel led to ask you right now to stand across all of our campuses and those who are watching online. Would you stand where you are right now? Because I want you to stand in your blessing. You say, Pastor, I don't feel blessed. But you are blessed because the Lord is with you. And so just say this to me. Say, I am blessed. Even though I'm going through a divorce, I am blessed. Even though my kid's acting up, I'm still blessed. Even though my marriage is in trouble, I'm still blessed. Even though the economy's crazy right now, I'm still even though we don't know who the next president is, we're still. Even though 2020 has been crazy, we're still. Even though I've got cancer, I'm still. Even though I'm in this lawsuit, I'm still. There's nothing that can stop the fact that you are blessed by God because he is with you. You're blessed. You're blessed. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, but I'm not blessed. And that means the Lord isn't with you yet. Oh, we can solve that right now. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He paid the price on that cross and he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. You can pray this prayer. You can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You can have the blessing of knowing him. Pray this prayer with me out loud. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe he rose again. Please come in my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent of my sins. I'm blessed because I know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.